What up, everybody? How's everybody doing? Going to Aftershock in October. Shout out to the homie. That guy's so cool. Because I told him, let's go, bro. And originally, I was just going to buy regular tickets. But he's like, okay, bro. Okay, we'll go. But then I asked him because he wanted to go two days. I'm like, why do you want to go Sunday so bad? And then he told me, because he's like, I want to see Pennywise. But to be honest with you, I just want to see them play one song. I'm like, what song is that? And I'm pretty sure they are going to play it because I believe it's their most famous song. Is that Broham song. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I asked him, I'm like, bro, what happens if they don't play? He's like, bro, I'm going to be mad at somebody. But we kept talking about it, talking about it. The point I'm telling you this is because I told him, I only buy my ticket when I see you buy yours because there's no point in me buying it if you're not going to buy yours. And I'm not going to go by myself because it's all the way in Sacramento. So they're like, okay, can I ask you a question? Like, he's asking me this as he's buying it. He's like, what, like, how's the viewing? Like, if I were to buy a regular ticket, I'm like, oh, well, it's an open field. He's like, oh, but I'm not trying to be there with you in the open field in the back. He's like, let's get VIP tickets. I'm like, okay, bro, if we get VIP tickets, I'm only going on Saturday because it's a lot of money. He goes, all right, all right. He's like, look, bro, I bought mine already. And I look, and he sends it to me, but he said, it says two. I'm like, it's my gift to you, bro, because you always take me everywhere. So thanks, bro. I won't give up your name so you don't feel weird because I know you're weird about that stuff, but thank you very much. Anyway, Punch in the Mouth, episode 17, coming your way. Deuces. What's up everybody the fans are back i am back are you guys ready to do this let's do this first of all before i really get into it i just want to say the fans were a missing key factor of the whole thing because dude this event was insane but insane i mean because i saw the very first prelim fight that fight in itself was insane and then we had a couple decisions but it wasn't bad it wasn't bad I'm already going to get into maybe the main card, so here we go. I'm going to start with the main event. We're going to go down. Kamar Usman versus Jorge Masvidal. Dude, Usman is everything we thought he was. He's best. Like, who right now can be Usman at welterweight? The one that comes to mind is Kobe Covington, which they have said on many occasions that he is next. And I believe that's true because a lot of people ask me, like, he hasn't fought since they both fought, but... That's not true. Like, Jorge didn't fight before since they both fought, but Colby has. I wanted to say Usman. Colby has. He fought Woodley. Now people tell me, oh, but that's Tyron Woodley. But at the time that he fought him, I think Tyron Woodley was ranked number three. So it's justifiable that Colby's next. Now, I just watched the rematch that of theirs. 
yesterday. I mean, not the rematch. I'm an idiot. Not the rematch. I watched their first fight yesterday. And I'm going to tell you something. Colby Covington cannot fight Kamar Usman that way. Because if he does, he's going to get put to sleep cold, stiff, like Usman put on Masvidal. That's just facts. Like, because I rewatched it. And, dude, those guys were slinging leather. With that being said, it'll be a much different fight, this rematch. This is why I hate immediate rematches. Because if they would have fought right away, it's the same fight. But now with non-immediate rematches, there's a bunch of different wrinkles to the matchup, right? Like, this knockout power that Usman has shown in his last two fights. I mean, he's always had it because he's even knocked down Colby, but it's just on a different level since he started training with Trevor Whitman. But the X factor in that fight would be their wrestling, right? Like, can Colby negate Kamaru's wrestling? Because Colby will pressure, 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 get him up against the cage and take him down, right? That's what Colby's going to try to do. Now, is can you do that? Because he can do it for five rounds like that. I'm not questioning that, but can you do that? And, like, can Kamaru stop your takedowns? And if he stops your takedowns, what are you going to do? And if Kamaru can, like, if Kamaru looks like a turtle on his back, is Colby going to go to a five-round decision with Kamaru Usman and become the new champion? These are the questions I have. They're saying they're hopefully going to do this by the fall, if not the end of this year. That's the plan, right? Because I think they're already booked up to September with Jan Brakovic fighting Glover Teixeira. So it'll probably take place between October to December, if not early next year from, from what I heard. For Jorge, dude, even in a losing effort, that guy regained my respect. Because I I had like... um. Like, I was, like, off the bandwagon because leading up to the fight, he was just, like, acting like he was living in 2019. And I think he drank too much of his own Kool-Aid. But once the fight started, that dude is everything he said he was. If he would have kept his hands up, I can't for sure tell you that Usman would have still knocked him out because if he would have kept his hands up, I'm pretty sure... The fight would have gone longer. And he was having success. What I saw positive for Jorge was even though Usman took him down, he got up pretty fast. And he started piecing him up. And then he hit him. He smiled at him. But then Usman just clocked him and rung his bell. So all he had to do was keep his hands up. But even in a losing effort, Jorge, he regained the fan in me, bro. I can't wait to see what you do next. It's going to be magical, and I'll be watching. Okay, moving on. Rose Namayunas beats Wei Li Zhang. Okay. For this one, I know a lot of people were like, there's no way Rose beats Wei Li Zhang after the fight she had with Joanna. But something Rose said leading up to her fight with Jessica Andrade on Fight Island back in summer of last year, Stuck with me. She said, yeah, bro, but there was no head movement. Like, it was a good fight, but those girls weren't showing me any head movement or anything like that. If, I, if I'm hitting, I'm moving my head. 
And I was like, whoa, hold on here. This is something right here. Because I told everybody, Rose Dominguez is going to win this fight. And because I heard her say that, I'm like, it's because of this. I didn't. I never told anybody that. But leading up to the fight, I told everybody, Rose Namajunas wins this fight. And it's for that simple reason. I'm like, if she had, because I knew the type of striking she had. If she adds head movement and Whaley tries to hit her and she's not there, and she could just counter her. And she kicked her in the face, bro. So next for Rose, I think she's going to see how Carlos Barza versus Yan Shinian plays out. Mackenzie Dern is there. Tatiana Suarez, I'm pretty sure, is looming somewhere. Yona Yonchinchek is coming back in September. Maybe her and Tatiana are going to end up fighting. That's a great fight right there. I hope it's that. Please let it be that UFC. The strawweights are booming right now, bro. For Jessica, I think she's going to end up going... I mean, not Jessica. I'm sorry. Not Jessica. For Wei Li, she's either going to get an immediate rematch, because they were talking about that, or she'll probably fight the number one person. They haven't updated the rankings, because... She's still the champion on on their rankings, but they already have the number one blank, so I'm pretty sure she's going to go to number one. And then Rose will become the champion once they update this. Whaley, who can she fight if it's not an immediate rematch? You could give her Marina Rodriguez, Marina Rodriguez. Because the problem is, Jan, Shinian, and Carla are going to fight already. Mackenzie Dern just fought unless she was willing to fight her. Nina Nunez, again, they just fought. I think Claudia Gadelia is too low. So unless Wei Li gets an immediate rematch... We might see her fight Marina Rodriguez. Eesh. Crazy. Moving on. Valentina Shevchenko versus Jessica Andraj. Like, dude, what do you do at this point with Valentina? She's running into the same problem Amanda Nunes has. Like, what do you do, bro? Like, dude, their rankings are so out of whack in the pound-for-pound pound rankings. They have Amanda Nunes 1, Valentina 2, 3 and 4 are blank. Because, like, and number 5 for pound-for-pound pound rankings is Jessica Andrade. And, like, Valentina just, demo like, bro, it wasn't even competitive. It was a, like, master class from bell to bell. Like, what do you do at this point? Like, the only... Well, from what I've heard, they're going to do Lauren Murphy versus Joanne Calderwood. And the winner of that, especially if Murphy wins, will get the title shot. But 
So that's probably like we're gonna have to see who's the winner of that because they have said the winner of this one will get the next shot at Valentina. But let's say Valentina gets past them. Like what's left? And then Amanda Nunes is gonna fight Juliana Pena. They already announced it, but I forgot when they said when. But let's say these two girls get past those two fights. The problem is that Amanda Nunes is 2-0 against Valentina Shevchenko already, but I still want to see the third fight. Can I tell you something? Going back to Jorge Masvidal and Kamar Usman, I want to see them fight again. Because the Jorge, what I saw from Jorge on Saturday shows me he can beat him. But he drank too much of his own Kool-Aid to put on not not a winning effort, but he drank too much of his own Kool-Aid that he got too cocky and he got caught. Like, I trolled my uncle because he's a big Jorge Masvidal fan. I love Jorge, too, even though he beat up my boy Nate Diaz. I still want you to run that one back, Jorge. Give my boy another shot at the BMF belt. I troll him like, Lightning in a bottle, but I was just messing around. Jorge's everything he ever said he was. I know I'm jumping from thing to thing. I'll go back right now. But because he drank his own Kool-Aid, he lost that fight. Jorge could have been won that fight. Especially how I saw him get up from the takedown. But going back to Valentina Shevchenko, Amanda Nunes and Valentina are the fight. That's the fight. Unless you guys bring in Kayla Harrison or you let them go fight Chris Cyborg. Like within the UFC, the, the, the it's so thin when it comes to 125 and 135. Everybody thought the same thing was going to happen at 115. Wei Li Zhang, Rose Namajunas proved everybody wrong. Like that's the only competitive female weight class there is. Because these two girls are so dominant, their only competition in the UFC is each other. But they both gotten so better that if Amanda Nunes goes in there and cold clocks her, like Amanda Nunes, there is no competition for Amanda Nunes. Unless, I honestly believe this, it could be Clarissa Shields, who she's in with the PFL. Kayla Harrison, their training partners, but she's also at PFL. And I still want to see the rematch with Chris Cyborg. But at 125, Valentina will reign as long as she wants to until she's out of her peak and she starts inevitably going downhill like it happens with all athletes. Okay, now we're going to talk about what happened with Chris Weidman. My God, he's been on both sides of the coin, bro. He did it to Anderson, and then it got done to him. First of all, it's a freak accident, bro. It's just a freak accident. And I heard today that he's saying it's going to be 6 to 12 months recovery before he can fight again. Like, just to walk and do everyday things, it's going to take him two months of recovery. To actually train and fight, that's 6 to 12 months. If I was part of Chris Weidman's family, I'd just ask him to retire. Because when Anderson Silva came back from that injury, he was not the same fighter. And a lot of people will tell you, like, 
Chris Weidman is not the same guy that was beating up Anderson Silva, Vitor Belfort, Lyoto Machida. Like, even the, the Luke Rockhold fight was very competitive. But man, that sucks. Moving on to Anthony Smith and Jimmy Crute. Now, Jimmy Crute and Chris Weidman's injuries are very different because Jimmy Crute's, like, nerve... Like, his leg, it kept going in, but his leg wasn't broken to the point where Chris Weidman was screaming in pain when he went down. Jimmy Crew was still trying to fight, but that was a nasty injury, bro. Anthony Smith is everything, again, he's everything he said he was. He had a few slip-ups, but I feel like he's back now. Because he took a few leg kicks from Jimmy Crew, and then he just gave him one of his own, and he did that to his leg. So Anthony Smith is number six. I'm pretty sure he's going to stay there. Ahead of him is Jiri Prochatska, or Iri, however they call him, who's fighting Dominic Reyes, who's number three, this Saturday. He lost to Alexander Rakic, who's number two. Glover's going to fight. Jan in September. So right now, the only guy left above Anthony Smith is Thiago Santos. Or, or he can fight Magomed Akilayev at a future date, who's number seven right below him. But again, these haven't been updated because they still have Wei Li Zhang as the strawweight champion. So I don't know if this is going to change after this comes out. I'll keep an eye on it. Each crazy. Okay, we're going to look on to this weekend's fight card. Where is it? Where did I put it? Okay, here we go. Dominic Reyes versus Iri Prochatska. And then in the coming event, I got Cub Swanson versus Giga Chick. Adiz, who is this guy? I feel like I know who this guy is. I don't know who this is. They're saying he fought um, when Glover and Santos fought. I saw that fight card. Okay. I'm going to have to go back and look at that because I don't remember this guy. Okay, Cup Swanson's fighting that guy. So, we've only seen Yuri fight once in the UFC, and that was on the debut of Fight Island. He fought Vulcan Ozdemir, and he demolished that guy. Okay. And Jan Brakovic demolished Dominic Reyes. So, when I'm looking at this fight, I think of, I think of two things. Dominic Reyes has clearly fought better competition. At the same time, he's coming off with two losses. How is that going to mess with him mentally? And Iri is riding an all-time high by knocking out Volkan Ozdemir. Like, what's their mentality going into this fight? Is Dominic Reyes going like, I have to win this fight because if not, I've been 0-3 in my last three fights. Granted, one... 
one of those losses is the John Jones loss that a lot of people believe that Reyes won. But if Yuri goes in there and knocks him out, Yuri, Yuri rises as a contender. Yuri, sorry, I keep saying Yuri, but I want to say Yuri. He rises as a contender. If Reyes wins, it's because I don't want to look past this weekend, but I can already see where these two can end up fighting with the win. Like, if if Erie wins, there he's gonna fight Rackage, and if Reyes wins, he'll also fight Rackage, because Reyes is number three, Erie is number five. They're right there, with like a win or two, they can be right back into the title picture, unless they tell Rackage, Nah, bro, you're next. Depending on, like, it doesn't matter what happens here, you're next for the title shot. No, bro, light heavyweight is getting really interesting. And it's crazy, right? Because for a while, light heavyweight was very boring and bland. A lot of people blame John Jones. But it's not his fault. He was just very dominant. But since he left, it became very interesting because all these new guys were coming up. But I'm very excited for this fight. And then I got Cub Swanson being Giga. Chiquia Diaz. There it is. I think that's right. Cup Swanson, he looked good in his last fight, bro. Got knock, got a knockout. This is a good card right here. And Cody Stan Heyman's coming back. And I believe the following week is the big one between TJ Dillashaw. And, yeah, it is. Corey Sanhagen. E can't wait for that one. Is this one going to be at this one? They're still doing the fight nights at the Apex. I think they're trying to see how these big events go down. Because I'm pretty sure, like, one thing that got me really nervous is that that thing was packed to the max, bro. Like, it was packed to the max. And nobody was wearing a mask. I'm not judging anybody. I'm just saying nobody was wearing a mask. Two people were on top, like... It was very crowded outside. So I'm pretty sure we're going to have to see how this event. I'm not talking smack. So if Dana hears this, don't be mad. I'm just saying. We're going to see how that this event went to see. Because I kept saying, I'm like, this is going to be a super spreader. After seeing all those people, like, I was nervous. I'm like, damn. But on the other side of the coin, if it's not, that means more people can start doing this and more live events. can Like, somebody has to be first, right? Like, no matter, like, how we feel about things, like, somebody has to be first. The UFC was first. Hopefully, I'm, like, you guys would assume that I wanted to go. I don't. I don't want it to go. But I want it to go great. So live events can come back. You don't know how bad I've been wanting to go to a concert. So this is the first step. Like, we, we got to see, like, okay, maybe we can't do it just yet, but we're almost there. But if if it comes out okay, if it comes out okay, it's a big step forward into getting to the end of this pandemic. But, yeah, for right now, the fight nights are still at the apex.
Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they start letting, like, certain people in to the Apex to watch the fights. Okay, let me see what else. Um, Jake Paul. Dude, I understand people don't like the guy. I understand that. I like his brother. I'm a big fan of his impulsive podcast. But going back to Jake Paul. This guy is so disliked that people were chanting F Jake Paul. F Jake Paul. Like you know that guy hears that? You know what he's what he's hearing? He's hearing the money sign, bro. He's hearing cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Like he's doing all of this to upset us all. What I found hilarious is that DC went up to him and confronted him. I think he's getting what he wants. Imagine DC goes over to Triller just to beat the brakes off of that dude. He says he wouldn't do it, but I'm just saying, imagine he does. Imagine he does. We all know we would watch it. We all know we would watch it. I say we because I include myself. I really didn't want to watch the Ben Ashkin one because even though I thought Ben Ashkin was going to win, there was doubt in my mind because, again, Ben wasn't known as a striker. We know DC has power in his hands. We know. He knocked out Stipe Miocic. Okay? Don't give me that. He knocked out Bigfoot Silva. He took Josh Barnett to the brink of defeat it ended up being a decision but we all know we all know so don't give me that all right okay jake paul good on you brother you're getting people to talk about you can't hate on that the return of my boy nick diaz he was there got the fights my boy looked like he was Parting a little too hard either. Looked like he he smoked a little, you know, or drank a little too much. But he looked like he was having a good time. They're saying he's back. Like, supposedly at the post-fight press conference, Dana was waiting to talk to him after he left. So, they were going to talk. Dana did say that a potential opponent for Nick would be the Wolf Hamza Chimaev. It's a good fight. Like, it's a good prospect. I don't know if Nick's going to want to do that because he is a prospect. And the dude he's like, why am I going to fight that guy? Why is he going to make a name off of me? Like, that's been both of their um, both of their arguments over the years. Like, why am I going to let a guy fight me? Like, what is he? Like, that's their process of thinking. But he might fight him. I honestly would want to see Nick fight Vicente Luque because Vicente is like number six and he's been like finishing guys like it's it's a hard fight for Nick but I want to see him fight him I, w- I wouldn't mind seeing him do the rematch with Robbie Lawler and honestly bro because Hamza is so praised right now by the UFC and by the fans that's a good fight. If he beats him, he'd be like, see, I told you, I'm back. 
or honestly, and people are going to get mad, I'm about to say this, and I doubt this would happen because I know they've trained together. Nick and this person is Danny Rodriguez. That'll be a fight. But I honestly don't think that would happen because they've trained together. And Nick's cool with Joe Schilling. And I know Danny Rodriguez, that's either his main coach or his main training partner because they've always been, he's always been in his corner. I'm talking about Joe Schilling. So we'll see, bro. I already talked about Thug Bros. already talked about Valentina's domination. Did, did I talk about Jorge? No, I didn't talk about Okay, Jorge's next move. Again, that guy's everything he said he was, bro. I'm a fan again. Like, I want to see people like that do good. Coming from nothing and making something of yourself. I think he should see how the Leon Edwards Nate Diaz fight plays out next month. And I'm assuming if if Nate wins, he it'll set up that fight for the BMF title. I think Nate has to win. If Leon loses, it sets up their fight from the time he gave him the three-piece and the soda. So let's keep an eye on the Nate Diaz Leon Edwards fight because I believe that's going to imply a lot in Jorge's immediate future as far as his next fight goes. The UFC has officially announced Israel Adesanya will take on Marvin Vittori on June 12th. Not not officially, like it's been verbally agreed on, but usually like that's the first step into getting a fight done. Because I know Israel's not going to say no. Like, you can say a lot of things about Israel, but when Israel says he's going to fight, it's because he's going to fight. And Marvin Vittori, he's been saying that he's been wanting to fight Israel Adesanya. So, I do believe that fight will take place on June 12th. The reason it wasn't Robert Whitaker is because Robert just fought and he wants more time, I guess, to heal. Because he just fought five rounds. So they did tell Robert, okay, we'll let them fight and then you'll you'll be next. So Robert's waiting in the wings. They went to Robert first, but Robert said not not June. So if you want to give it to Marvin, give it to Marvin. I'm cool with it. But he is next. As far as this fight goes, I don't see Israel losing because of what I saw in the Kevin Holland fight. Like Kevin Holland... Couldn't get up from the takedown. I guarantee you Israel Adesanya will get up from takedowns. And even in the fifth one, after being taken down countless, countless times, he cracked Marvin Vittori. That Marvin Vittori gave him a wide-eyed look. And, dude, if you get cracked by Israel Adesanya, you're going to sleep, bro. I don't see Israel losing that fight. And also on that fight is the rematch of... Brandon Moreno versus Davison Figueiredo for the men's flyweight belt. Another great fight. They're saying that that one might take place in Arizona. They haven't announced the location for that yet, but we'll see. It's funny, huh? Because before, before COVID, how my have my how times have changed. Because before COVID, they would announce that that event was happening on a day, and they would give you the place. They would never tell you who, but now they're telling you who. The date, but they're not telling you what place because of COVID. It's crazy. PFL, 
PFL came back on Friday. Anthony Pettis' debut got spoiled. Sorry, Showtime, my boy. I like that guy a lot. But it comes back on Thursday. Rory McDonald is fighting some guy named Melinder. I don't know who that is. Cooper the third is fighting Ponet. Glacian T-Bell is fighting Zephyrniel. Damn, that's crazy. Glacian T-Bell is still fighting. That is nuts. Sorridi is fighting Kamozi. Sorridi. And Cara de Zapato is coming back, making his PFL debut against Lawler. Sordi. That's his name, Sordi. He's Argentine. I never heard that name before. I think he's the defending light heavyweight champ. He's fighting Camozzi. That's this Thursday. Crazy. I'm excited to see Rory McDonald back. Like He hasn't been looking himself, but I know recently he switched camps and he went to train with Henry Hoof at Sanford MMA. So we'll see what happens there for him. I hope nothing but the best for Rory. He's dope, bro. And Kayla Harrison, I believe, returns next week. I forgot the date, but she returns next week. And then the return of Bellator is next Friday. Crazy. There's a lot of crazy stuff happening, bro. And then I want to see Clarissa Shields' MMA debut. I'm pretty sure it's soon. I think they announced it, but I don't remember the date. I'll get back to you on that. Um, let me see. I'll, I'll look for it right now. We're going to get into current events. Trailer files lawsuit against illegal streamers alleging $100 million in damages from Jake Paul versus Ben Askren card. What a shocker. Trailer is going after illegal streamers with massive lawsuit filed in California. On Monday, Triller confirmed the news in an email to MMA Fighting that the social media company has has filed a lawsuit that alleges 11 illegal streamers broadcasted the recent card featuring Jake Paul against Ben Askren in the main event with losses totaling $100 million. The lawsuit was filed in the U.S. District Court in Central California. In total, the lawsuit takes aim at 11 sites and 100 unnamed people with 2 million illegal streams, which Triller claims cost them 100 million in revenue. I mean, this isn't. I knew this was going to happen. I think we all knew this was going to happen. And then it's funny because it goes. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's shocking to think. A theft so grand can be done so blatantly and bracingly and still with no remorse. A thriller spokesman said in a statement sent to MMA Fighting, There is zero difference between what they did and walking into a market and stealing a ton of product and selling it at a discount in the parking lot. I mean, bro, but this isn't new. Like, you're mad because it's Jake Paul and he probably complained that I lost $100 million in revenue. That's probably what it is. But 
We all know this has been happening for years. Like, this isn't new. And then it goes on to say, like, I want to read this because it says, Triller has become a major player in the pay-per-view business recently after promoting Mike Tyson's return to action against Roy Jones Jr. last year, following up with Jake Paul vs. Askren card. The next major pay-per-view card for Triller will happen in May with Timofimo Lopez defending his titles against George Cambazos Jr. in the main event, while Evander Holyfield will come out of retirement in an exhibition bout against Kevin McBride. Okay. First of all. I don't mean to sound mean, but I don't think Triller is going to last very long. Because people are starting to see that it's a big show. Like, I get they're trying to be different, but they have, like, three fight main cards. Because they do, like, in-betweens, like, live performances, which I don't think people are really into. Like, I wonder how long Triller is going to last. Because Mike Tyson has also come out and said that he's never going to fight for Triller again. So, a lot of their future events are going to ride on how well Timofimo Lopez versus George Gamboso Jr. does. Because, like, how long can you have these older boxers like Evander Holyfield coming out of retirement? Like, come on, bro. But, yeah, so Triller's... I want to know how much of it is Triller and then how much of it is Jake Paul. Like, I want to know how much. Because, again, this is not new. What else is there for current events? Oh, look, this one. Dana White, Valentina Shevchenko was like a effing demon in dominant UFC 261 title defense. Valentina Shevchenko didn't appear to have any shortage of motivation for her fifth UFC title defense. The reigning flyweight queen dominated challenger Jessica on Saturday at UFC 261 in Jacksonville, Florida. Using her outstanding wrestling to throw Andrade to the canvas repeatedly before finishing her with ground and pound from the crucifix position in round two. Chevchenko's assault included a few nasty elbows that prompted the stoppage. At the evening post-fight press conference, UFC President Dana White was effusive in his praise for Chevchenko. Going as far as to say that she looked like Chevchenko was fighting with a chip on her shoulder. It's almost like, tell me if this is how you guys felt tonight. This is Dana's quote. She was fighting like she was pissed, White said. Like she was mad that anybody could. I love this fight. Wait, it says that anybody could. I love this fight because I knew Jessica was Gonna show something that she hadn't seen yet. She was gonna be in her face. She was gonna do this. And she was gonna do that. And Chevchenko was like a fucking demon tonight. Pissed off. That anybody. Anybody believed that. That was possible. And she looked incredible. One of the best performances of her career. 
I mean, yeah, bro. Like, what can you say? Like I said earlier, Valentina Shevchenko and Amanda Nunes are they're all each other's competition in the UFC. Like, wh- who else do you guys want to see them fight? Nobody, because you can't think of anybody right now. Amanda's going to fight Juliana Pena, I believe. I want to say they said in the summer at some point, and then Valentina Chepchenko has to see who's going to win between Joanne Calderwood and Lauren Murphy. Let's see what else there is. Nick D is... Okay, let's see what this is about right here. Oh, no, no. There's a better one. Kamar Usman, I do believe right now that I'm pound for pound. I am the best fighter on the planet. Kamar Usman won't call himself the greatest of all time. But the best right now is a different story. The welterweight champion capped off UFC 261 on Saturday night with a jaw-dropping knockout in the second round to finish Jorge Masvidal while defending his title for the fourth consecutive time. The only reason the rematch with Masvidal happened was because Usman was not personally satisfied with his performance in their first meeting, a fight he won by a lopsided decision. This time around, Usman blasted Masvidal with the right hand that sent the veteran contender down to the ground in a heap as the Nigerian Nightmare also extended his unbeaten streak in the UFC to 14 consecutive fights. Afterward, Usman wasn't interested in touting his career accomplishment when stacked up against all others. He called for some recognition as the best fighter in the world at the present moment. That's up to them. That's not up to me, Usman said at the UFC 261 post-fight press conference. When asked about his status as the greatest welterweight in history, I just need to continue to do what I do, and that's dominate every individual. That's my last three opponents that I've finished, all, all three of them. I don't worry about that. I take it a fight at a time. If people want to consider me the best, they can. But as of right now, I do believe that right now, I'm pound for pound. I'm the best fighter on the planet. Beyond his title defense, Usman has also taken out every fighter thrown in his path before becoming champion, as he truly has earned his shot, his first shot at UFC gold. He was a perfect with a 9-0 resume as he climbed up the welterweight ranks while earning wins over Leon Edwards, Damian Maya, and Rafael Dos Anjos. So basically, the, the Usman feels that he deserves to be number one pound for pound. Let me see what else it says. Based on current UFC rankings, the only person ahead of Usman right now is former light heavyweight champion John Jones who reclaimed the top spot after Khabib Nurmagomedov retired from competition. Ahead of the event Saturday night, Usman told MMA Fighting that based on the lifetime achievements, he absolutely gives John Jones his due, but he believes right now he's the best fighter in the world regardless of the weight class. Yeah, I kind of agree with him because it's been a year since we've seen John Jones fight. Like, I honestly think that 
If you don't fight within a year, you should be taken out of the rankings. Because it's not fair that he's number one, but he hasn't fought since he fought Reyes. It's already been a year. And if he goes this whole year and doesn't fight by um, February of 2022, it'll be two years. So you, you take him out. The best one right now would be Kamar Usman. So I'm, I'm in agreement with him. He hasn't fought because he's holding up for a big money fight with Francis Ngannou. And like, the more he stays out, the better Jan Brakovic looks. I mean, he's already going to be on, what, his second title defense? So we'll see what happens. But I do agree with Usman. He should be, he should be considered the best fighter, the best active fighter right now. Because John Jones is not active, he hasn't fought in over a year. In my so, in my opinion, you're not active. You're not retired, but neither is Nick Diaz. Nick Diaz hasn't fought in like five, six years. So I don't consider him active until I hear there's a a fight announced for him that they're saying they're getting very close to. Yeah, that's the only way I consider you an active fighter. And it's been less than a year. Like, for example. I consider Rob an active fighter because he just fought. I consider Israel an active fighter because he just fought in March. But if you fight, if you don't fight within a year, I don't consider you an active fighter. That's my personal opinion. Unless you're injured, right? It's not so. There's there's a few caveats. Unless you're injured and you haven't fought in a year because you're injured, I believe that that gives you an excuse, but. If you haven't fought just because in a year, just because, you're not an active fighter, in my opinion. Let's see what this Nick Diaz article has to say. Oh, before that, let me go. So, Conor McGregor tweeted out that he was ready to fight Usman. And him and Usman had, like, a little back and forth. Let's see if I can find it. Okay, so on Saturday, let's read what it says. Whether there's really fire here is up for debate, but Kamaru Usman and Conor McGregor are both certainly posturing that they want all the smoke. On Saturday night, Usman successfully defended his welterweight title for the fourth time, knocking out rival Jorge Mazadal. Blah, blah, blah. The knockout was only the second. Blah, blah, blah. Promoted enormous praise from everyone watching, even Masvidal himself. However, there was one man who was less glowing in his reaction, McGregor. Earlier this month, Usman used the phrase green panty night when talking about Masvidal, a clear reference to McGregor's famed red panty night quib. And while enjoying the fights at UFC 261, the former featherweight and lightweight champion tweeted his reaction to the main event. Suggesting that wasn't the only thing Usman stole from him and proclaiming he was coming for the welterweight title soon. And then this is a tweet from McGregor. Usman even copying my shots now. I am. Am I to fight this guy at some stage? I think so. Can be copying my words and my shots and not get smacked for it. I like 170. It's mine too. 
crowd has me salivating like a dog. I'm a block at 170, guys. Give me till the end of the year at this 155 weight. I'll get <laughs> I'll get the strap and then I'll go up again after green fungus panties. Haha, <laughs> cuz anyone of those fools can get it. Usman was of course too busy celebrating his own victory to respond immediately, but when he did, the welterweight champion dismissed Notorious, even noting that McGregor's famed knockout power has not yielded the same result late as of late. Except when I touch guys, when I touch you at 170, they go out. They don't even go out at 155 anymore for you. I finish people. You get finished. And then, and then he goes. And then, and then it keeps going. Never a man to take things quietly. McGregor went off on the champion suggesting Usman takes PEDs and calling for the UFC to give him a crack at the 170 title. Relax, cumbuckles, you big spotty backpocks. You were ringside last time I fought at 170. 40 seconds is all it took. Why did you reschedule the Burns fight? Why was the what was the reason that was never given to the public? Why that an already signed fight was rescheduled? So what he's referring to is that originally Burns and Usman they were supposed to fight in December of 2020. No, no, no. They were supposed to fight. Yes, yes, they were supposed to fight December 2020. That's when Davison Figueredo ended up fighting Brendan Moreno. They were supposed to fight then. But for whatever reason, and the reason I heard is that he wanted more time to get used to his training schedule because that's when he first moved out over there to Colorado. Like he was starting it with this Fight Island one, but he really wanted to get into it with this Colorado training camp with... Trevor Whitman, but that was what I heard. But now McGregor's alluding that it was because of PEDs. And then he goes, never in all that time in this business, which is long before all of these effing bums, have I ever seen a sign fight get rescheduled with no reason given whatsoever. So said fighter can recover from undisclosed injuries. Excuse me, what? The fight is signed, sealed, tickets sold. First of all, tickets were not sold because it was in the middle of a pandemic. So th there's a big flaw in Connor's tweet right there. F these Jude heads anyway. I don't give a bollocks. I'm just calling it. At, I'm calling it as it is. I have the biggest balls in Ireland with with two lump hammers attached to me elbows. Send me in and I'll pop that big pimple. Get three bells. To go with my three commas. Saying he has a lot of money. And then Usman goes. I offered you the fight. And you went missing. Let's stay humble young man. I already took your pride. Don't make me take your whiskey too. With the winking emoji face. Dang. First of all. That's a hard fight for Conor McGregor. Don't think it's going to be a stand-up war. Usman could easily just take him down. And beat him down. Because he's the bigger man. He's got power. And we've seen Dustin at 155 take out Conor McGregor. You don't think Usman at 170 can take out Conor McGregor, bro? 
Like, it also depends on Conor McGregor's preparation, too. Like, he's saying he beat... The guy he beat in 40 seconds, I'm being very fair here, was Donald Cerrone. Like, come on, bro. And then he's only fought Nate Diaz at 170. Like, you, we can't keep calling Nate Diaz a lightweight anymore because it's been a year since he fought at lightweight. Like, I want to see how this... Um, Leon Edwards fight is going to go for him because Leon Edwards is a real welterweight. So if, if Nathan can be competitive and win the fight, which I, he has a good chance of doing because of his jiu-jitsu, like it depends how he does in the stand-up. Like we have to start looking at Nate Diaz is a real welterweight at this point, in my opinion. I got one more thing for you guys. Let's see how I'm doing on time. I'm doing good on time, actually. Okay, got one more thing, I believe. Let me make sure. Okay, I did that, I did that. So, remember Eddie, the Eddie Alvarez debacle with Yuri Lapicus where he was supposedly hitting him in the back of the head and all that stuff? Well, it was determined that Yes, he did hit him in the back of the head, but that the referee messed up. Look, I have it right here. It was a, I guess, a, a column written by Ariel Hawani. A panel made up of 15 independent indi officials. I was going to say individuals. Plus one personal judge. Plus one personnel judges and referees unanimously determined that illegal strikes to the back of Lapicus's head did in fact occur, but they determined that the protocol misstep by the referee happened when he halted the bout and handed Alvarez the red card. So what they're saying is, the foul did happen, but the, the where it was wrong here is that the ref shouldn't have given Eddie a red card, he should have given him a yellow card. The panel per one official decided Alvarez should have been given a warning instead of a red card, which ultimately ended the fight. As a result, the red card has been retracted and the yellow card has been issued in its place. The result of the fight has officially been changed as well. So I guess if you get red carded, you're automatically DQ'd. It's like soccer. When you get red carded, you're out of the game. And then it goes on the bow, which took place on April 7th, was halted at a minute, two seconds in the first round. Alvarez said afterwards that he didn't think it should have been stopped and would appeal the loss. One would not reveal the identity of the panel members in the U.S. A state athletic commission would have the rule on the incident like this, but one regulates its own events when in Singapore, which is where the bow took place. Alvarez is returning to action Wednesday in Singapore at 1 on TNT TV and against Ray Yoon Okay. That's what it says, Ray Yoon Okay. Dang, justice for my boy, Eddie Alvarez. And supposedly he's the front runner to fight Oscar De La Hoya in July on Triller. If that's true, I hope it does happen for Eddie because Eddie deserves to get paid. He's an OG of the fight game. Um, His first fight that I ever seen live was him and Michael Chandler, their first fight, which was ages ago. Great fight if you haven't seen it. But I might watch this one. I didn't even know he was fighting this Wednesday. I might watch it. Good for Eddie Alvarez.
I'm so happy for him. Because, dude, that wasn't a DQ. That was that other guy playing the game. Come on. All right, guys. That's it for me. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Follow me on my Instagram at Punched in the Mouth Official. And my Twitter is official underscore P-I-T-M. Later on, guys.